And so tonight we're going to be de deconstructing community. What does community look like? In the American church, a lot of times, and he even said it best, a lot of times the, the definition of community and the definition of fellowship for the American church is Sunday mornings and maybe Bible studies on Wednesdays, or you know, you've got a, your small group for Chi Alpha students. So then the definition of the community and definition of fellowship would be that day, that time. Um, man, I remember when the, the pandemic hit in 2020 and the churches were hard fought and fighting for Sunday mornings because that was the definition of what fellowship was to a lot of churches. Fellowship was defined as Sunday mornings. And I had such a hard problem with that. I had such a hard time with that because Sunday morning services, Tuesday night services, this is not fellowship. Now we have a little bit of fellowship before and we have a little bit of fellowship afterwards, a little bit of fellowship before and a little bit of fellowship afterwards. But what's going on right now is not fellowship. You're listening to me. I'm teaching you scripture. I'm teaching you the Bible. We're not enjoying fellowship. I'm not learning about you right now. We're not enjoying each other's company. We're not growing closer to each other. Hopefully I'm teaching you about the Bible and I'm getting you closer to God. But really this is a teaching point. This is a time for teaching. And so we push this idea that, that it was our fellowship and our community. And that makes me so sad because Sunday mornings and Tuesday nights and Bible study, um, Mondays or, or Thursdays, depending on when your guys' small groups are, those are not the definition of fellowship. What goes on before it, what goes on after it, that conversational part, that can become awesome fellowship. And I know us guys, we've been having awesome fellowship afterwards, just hanging out and enjoying each other's company. But fellowship is so much bigger than just church services. Community is so much bigger than just services. It needs to be. It has to be. And so that's what we're going to do tonight is kind of deconstruct what the Bible says community is, what the Bible says fellowship is. And we can then reassess our walk with Christ and we can reassess our definition of community. And hopefully we come out of it with a better idea. And so hopefully um, we can begin to build a better community here in Chi Alpha. And so <clears throat> how many guys remember in high school? Some of you guys, it was a little closer than some of the rest of us old folks, but how many of you guys remember in high school and, and that weird tension to try to like fit in a little bit? Whether you were trying to fit in a lot and you were a jock or, um, you know, you were in the popular crowd or whether you were in whatever subgroup, there was that need, that like inner desire, that, that pulling to try to pull us to try to fit into a group. And oftentimes, I remember, man, in high school, I tried to fit in so hard that eventually I kind of became a shell of who I really was. The person I was around my friends wasn't the same person I was when I was at home. The person I was around my friends wasn't the person I was when I was alone. I had basically constructed this false version of myself in order to fit in. And in college, even though it's a little bit better, we still tend to do that. We still tend to kind of put up those false pictures of who we are. And we, we, uh, we try to fit in and we try to belong with these subgroups. Now, we get a little bit more freedom of picking who our friends are. and we, so, so we tend to pick friends who are a little more similar to us. But even in that similarity and even in that, that common ground, we still try to, to, to basically present ourselves as this perfect image of a person so that we can fit in and we can belong. And I will say that as, as time goes on, you should, in theory, do that less and less. 
But I really do believe that the reason we do that is something that God created in us. The reason we, we fight so hard, the reason we have that pulling to conform, the reason we put up that image, I really do believe it is from something that God created us. The problem is we've been listening to the world and we start to get into the world a little too much and we start listening to the definition that the world gives us as to what it means to fit in versus what God defines as fitting in. We start to listen to what the world defines as friendship and we stop listening to what the Bible describes as friendship. And I do believe, like I said, I really do believe that God created us for community. And if He created us for community, then we're going to crave those relations. We're going to crave those experiences with each other. We're going to crave belonging. The problem is when the gangs have a better sense of belonging than the church does, Maybe the church needs to take a step back and reassess, and maybe we've become a little more worldly than we think we have in the area of community, in the area of fellowship. And so um, we conform. So even in the church, even within the subgroups of the church, even within the subgroups of Chi Alpha, we still conform and we still try to, to present ourselves as these almost like perfect versions of who we're trying to project so that we can fit in. But conforming isn't anything new. And, and in Scripture, it talks about in Romans 12 too, it tells us to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And so that tells us that within Jesus' time, with the Jews, it was still an issue. Conforming to the world was still a problem. This isn't a 21st century thing. This isn't a oh, it's so much harder now than it was back then kind of thing. It's the same. We're, we, we haven't grown. We haven't evolved. We're still the same as we were 2,000 years ago. And if you go through the Old Testament, we can read story after story of the Jews and the Jewish leaders conforming to the world literally over and over again. And God redirecting them back to Him. And then eventually the Jews re-conforming re, um, to the world. And then God prolong them back. So this is something that we've been doing since we were created. And so that tells me we were created for community. And so tonight, <clears throat> excuse me, tonight, I want to start looking at what the Bible says and how we should change and how we can grow and how we can adapt. But through the process of um, conforming, through the process of building fellowship, we have to start first with something that we all do. So in the process of conforming, in the process of trying to, to fit in, in this process of, of these false communities almost, we start to build up walls. We start to put walls up. And these walls are the reason that we, we feel like we even have to conform in the first place. And they're the reason that we try to press on other people that they need to conform to our standards as well. And so tonight I wanted to, to focus first on these walls, and hopefully we can take down these walls, we can assess, self-assess these walls, adapt and grow, and then mimic biblical community. And so um, through the process of taking down these walls, we first have to identify them. And so I want to start before we, we start identifying the walls, 
Um, if we don't have community with each other, if we don't have community within this room with fellow Christians, with fellow believers, with people who are about as similar to each other as we can possibly get, if we don't have community with each other, then we're stagnant. We're lost. We're, we, we don't get it. Because how can we be appealing to the world if we don't even like each other? What makes us different than the, the group that meets on Thursdays to celebrate whatever their cause is? What makes us stand out? What makes us different? Because everyone in here has something to bring to the table. You know, Donovan, when I first got to know you, dude, your quirky humor is got to be one of the most unique senses of humor that I've ever like experienced. But over the years and over getting to know you better, your sense of humor is one of my favorite. Like I love your sense of humor. It is so awesome and is unique. Getting to know Japheth a little bit better, knowing that he likes volleyball better than football, that he has a passion for theater and, and he likes living in the smaller communities and eventually he might want to go into a bigger community, but he wants to start small and build up. I love that about you, dude. Jordan has toes for thumbs. He's great. I love that about you, man. No, for real. Jordan is one of the best listeners I know. He will straight up like, there are so many times I've had to vent to him and he just has a great way of listening and responding with positive feedback that helps me grow as a person. Matt is a really hairy person. I love that about him. One time he shaved the imprint of his hand on his chest and you could see it. It was like a superhero print. It was amazing. Matt also likes poetry. So the hairiest dude in here is also kind of a softie. He'll read you some of his poetry sometime. He wrote some poetry for his wife and like he just kind of grew into it. He liked it. I love that about you. Sid makes some of the best green salsa I've tasted. And he says it's not very good. He was like, this isn't that good of a salsa batch. It was phenomenal. My wife and I ate it in like 10 seconds. Like we, we were like devouring that stuff. Each one of us has something to bring to the table. And so I hope that we can begin to learn more about each other and learn those weird, quirky things about each other, but also those things that really shine, that we, that we shine through. We all have something to bring to the table. And I want to also make a note that this isn't an introverted versus extroverted thing. I know so often I approach things from an extroverted standpoint and I love being around people. And an introvert, those of you guys that are introverted, you don't love being around people as much and you prefer to be alone. But tonight, I'm, I'm telling you, this isn't an introverted versus extroverted issue. I know there's like three extroverts in this group and it breaks my heart because I'm an extrovert and I crave being around extroverts. I hope all of you eventually can grow to, to learn to love being around me. But I know I project my extrovertedness on you, but tonight this isn't about being introverted and extroverted. You don't get the excuse that just because you're introverted, that means you can isolate yourself around with four walls and a roof and call it good. God created you, even as an introvert, to be in a community. God created you as an extrovert to be in a group. He created you that way. Now you can say that you're, you're good, 
but really you're still going to create a community for yourself. It just might not be in Chi Alpha. You're going to create a community, whether it's through social media, video games, uh, something else. If you're an introvert, you're going to create a community around yourself. It's just not going to be a healthy community. And so if we can be intentional with the communities that we're creating and the communities that we're belonging to, that intentionality, we can use that to help grow us rather than hurt us. Because if your only community that you really belong to outside of a Tuesday night service is social media, man, that's one of the ugliest communities you can possibly belong to. Because it is full of lies and and that projected image that we struggled with in high school. And so getting to these walls, what I want you to do tonight is with each one of these four walls, I picked four. I know we've talked about breaking down walls. There's so many walls we can build up, but I wanted to focus on four of the biggest walls that prevent healthy biblical community. And we're going to take those walls and I want you to just take a second and really ask yourself if you've built this wall up. Don't just assume that you haven't. Because as I was writing this, I've built up three of these four walls within the last year. And so this was convicting for me, and I grew through even just writing this sermon. So if it can happen to me as the pastor, I trust, or I, I, I trust me that it can happen to you. You can build up these walls sometimes easier than you think you can. And so really take a second, listen to what I'm saying, because we're going to only focus on them for a little bit for the sake of time tonight. But really let it hit you and, and ask yourself, Did I, have I built this wall up? So the first wall is conformity. You have an image that you're trying to uphold. And so ask yourself, are you finding yourself avoiding hanging out or talking to other people within this group, especially when you're with friends who aren't Chi Alpha? Because maybe you want to look cool or you don't want to associate with the other people from Chi Alpha and Maybe when you, <clears throat> you walk by Sid, you kind of avoid him. When you walk by Desi, you avoid her for whatever reason, especially when you're with other people who aren't from this group. If that's you, trust me, you have to stop because you're hurting yourself. You're hurting your chance to meet some awesome people in that case. The second wall is offense. Have you been hurt by somebody in this room? Or have you been hurt by somebody within the church? It doesn't even need to be Chi Alpha. Have you been hurt by somebody in the church? Have you been hurt by somebody who claimed that they were a Christian? Or were you simply just hurt by others? And now you find yourself holding all people at arm's length. The first thing that I want to say with this one is, if this is you and you find yourself holding all people at arm's length, you're not really letting people get to know you. As somebody who has studied Scripture quite closely, I can tell you that there is a difference between healthy boundaries and building up a wall. There are some people that we need to have healthy boundaries with. I tell you what, if somebody wants to come on my staff and they've been notoriously committing crimes of sexual assault or something like that, they're not going to get a job on my staff. We're going to put a boundary up there. But I'm not going to build a wall against that person because I'm going to still love that person. I'm still going to be committed to them growing as a Christian, but they just don't have a place on my staff. And so there's a difference between building up boundaries and building up walls. And the way that we do that, the way that we can build up boundaries without building up walls is whoever we have built up a wall against, we have to forgive. We have to give those, forgive those people who have caused us pain that caused us to build those walls in the first place. Forgive those hurts. 
And we don't have a whole lot of time to go into this one tonight because this one is a, an entire sermon of itself. But I want to touch very closely on forgiveness. And I want to say that forgiveness is not saying that what somebody did to you is okay. Forgiveness is saying that I, I want to be healthy. And so I'm no longer going to give you that hold on my life. And so I'm going to forgive you. It's never saying that what they did is okay. Forgiveness isn't saying what you did okay. Forgiveness is for yourself. I don't forgive those who have hurt me in the past for them and their sake. I forgive them for my sake. And so if this is you, if I say, is there anybody that you need to forgive? If when I ask you that, if somebody pops into your brain, chances are you should probably walk towards forgiveness with that person. Typically, the people who've hurt us the most or who we're holding on the most um, built the biggest wall up against are typically the people that we need to forgive the most. And sometimes that forgiveness is a hard process, and it is a process. But for the sake of time tonight, we're not going to get into that a whole lot. I have a sermon planned later in the school year about forgiveness. But if that's you and somebody came to your mind, Start praying about and asking God, how can I begin to start forgiving this person and start to take down that wall? Because building up a wall against somebody else can actually prevent you from having the appropriate level of fellowship with the people in this room. Walls against other people can affect your relationships with other people. <clears throat> the third wall is self-love or self-care. Now, This is a wall that I build up very easily. I am good at it. And I constantly have to self-assess. Because if you guys know my testimony, you know that I experienced trauma and abuse growing up. And I tend to see myself as unlovable. Or I see myself as less deserving as those around me. This causes me to not take care of myself as well. Or I tend to prioritize everybody else's needs over my own to a level that isn't healthy. And a lot of times what this manifests as is, we, we kind of have that viewpoint of like, well, God loves everybody else but me. Or God, I know God loves you. And we can, we can tell someone how much God loves them. But then when we think about it and we self-assess and we look at our own life, we don't believe God loves us as much as he loves everybody else. And this can manifest in a lot of different ways. Sometimes it manifests in, in taking care of other people's needs over your own. Sometimes it manifests as isolating because you don't believe that the people around you would want to be around you. Sometimes it manifests as just being stuck. Sometimes it manifests as being stuck in your room and you feel like you can't or you can't do the things that you need to do in order to take care of yourself. If this is you, and this is one that I feel like a lot of us, especially those of you guys that are introverts, this is one that a lot of us struggle with. And I said so myself, like, this is one I struggle with a lot. I constantly have to self-assess. And I just remember one time I was sitting with my wife in the living room and she just asked me the simple words. I'm a pastor during this point in time. And she said, do you believe God loves you? And I couldn't answer yes because my self-love was so low that it started to affect the way that I viewed God. God didn't put that on you. You put that on you. Stop hurting yourself. And so if this is you and you need to listen to my words, 
need to look in my eyes. I need all of you guys. Look in my eyes. I need everybody's eyes up here. This is you. You are not exempt from Christ's love. Christ loves you just as much as the person next to you. So I want you guys to look at each other. Find someone to look at. This is for real. Like, find someone to look at. I want you to say to each other, Jesus loves you as much as he loves me. Now, I want you to take a second and actually mean it. Now I want you to say, Jesus loves me as much as he loves you. And now I want you to actually mean it. So take a second. In light of that, ask yourself quietly. We're going to give you, I'm going to give you a second to ask yourself. Do you really believe that God loves, that Jesus loves the rest of the world equally as much as he loves you? Do you believe that Jesus loves you equally as much as he loves the rest of the world? If there's even a second of hesitation, this is something, this is a wall you've got to work on breaking down. Self-love and self-care is important. Now, I'm not talking about pride. That's the other way that the enemy comes in and attacks this is he starts saying that, well, no, loving yourself is pride. No. Loving yourself is loving something that God created. There's a difference between self-love and pride. And the last wall we're going to talk about, and the, the last wall we just talked about plays into this wall a lot, is self-forgiveness. So if through that conversation, through talking about self-love, if you're in your head responding with, yeah, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know who I am. You don't know this sin that I struggle with. You don't know this certain thing that I've done in the past. You don't know this thing that I'm currently still stuck in. If you had a yeah, but for even a second, then this is this last wall is one that you've got to break down. And this is self-forgiveness. Because when it comes down to it, Paul literally murdered Christians within Scripture. Paul murdered Christians. And then God uses him to write like three quarters of the New Testament and literally wrote his name down as somebody who brought the church into its current age and, and helped build the church into its current age and is captured for the rest of eternity. If God is willing to use someone like Paul who murdered Christians in order to build up the church into what it should be, I trust that God can forgive you for whatever heinous thing you think you did wrong because it probably wasn't as bad as what Paul did. And Jesus forgives you, and so you need to forgive you. Take a step back, learn from your mistakes, and forgive yourself. Okay, those four walls, now that we've assessed them, we've learned which ones we need to break down, if any of those are a wall that you need to break down and you said yes to any one of those four, any one of those four applied to you, 
even through the process of, of identifying it tonight, you probably didn't break it down all the way. And so this is something that I want you to be praying about and working on and talking to accountability partners with, talking to the people within your small group with, having these conversations to help bring this, these walls down permanently or as permanently as we possibly can. You know, I, having a wife who holds me accountable to loving myself, sometimes it sucks because she can call it out on me and she knows exactly when it's happening. And sometimes that's, that hurts a little bit, but it's not painful in the way that it's hurting. It's painful in the way that I'm growing. And so having those accountability partners can be huge. And so I encourage you, reach out to somebody in your small groups, um, find an accountability partner and go. So tonight as we continue, now I want to take a second. So we've broken the walls down. And now we need to learn. So we're starting from a flat surface. Our foundation is built in Christ because we've talked about deconstructing our faith into a way in which we build our foundation on Christ. So now we can start from scratch again because we tore down the walls. And now we need to build up what biblical community looks like. And so I'm going to rapid fire some scripture. It's going to be up on the slides. You're not going to have time to turn them in your Bibles, but I encourage you write down the scripture. And as always, read the context of what I'm preaching to make sure that it says what I say it's going to say. Don't just take my word for it. Make sure you take the Bible's word for it. But we're going to rapid fire through some scripture and I'm going to talk about how that applies to what biblical community should be. And again, if you miss one and you need to go back, hit up the podcast, fast forward to this point, write them all down. So the first one is 1 John 4, 11 through 12. And it says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. This tells us that fellowship begins with God's love. It overflows from God's love. It is centered on God's love and expresses God's love. So fellowship comes from God's love. So we build fellowship with each other and it, our love for God flows out into the relationships around us. The second one is Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. And it says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day draw near. Fellowship involves each other's encouragement and constant pointing back to Christ in order to keep Christ the center of our hearts and our actions. We can't do this alone and God didn't create us to do this alone. And so what this scripture is telling us is that us meeting together. So if your walk with Christ is hard and you feel like it's hard for you to learn more about God, maybe we need to have people come alongside us to help teach us and to help us grow. This is where discipleship and what we call in Chi Alpha one-on-ones come into play. We're meeting up with people to intentionally talk about Scripture, to intentionally talk about our lives, intentionally talk about things going on, things that are hurting us. These are the ways in which we can help build each other up, but it goes beyond that into just everyday encouragement, everyday conversations, reaching out to each other, actually being involved in one another's lives. Next Scripture, 1 Thessalonians 2.8. It says, So, being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves because you had become very dear to us. This tells us that fellowship means we not only share the gospel with one another, but we also share our lives with one another because we have a deep care and love for one another. 
So our relationship with God and our relationship with each other, so our relationship with each other goes beyond even our love and our relationship with God. So that means that we should be just hanging out with each other. We should be watching football with each other. We should be playing board games with each other, watching movies with each other, doing everything that we would normally do in our normal lives together. Next scripture, Galatians 6.2 says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Romans 12.15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, which tells us that fellowship involves walking into the hurt and burdens of one another's hearts and helping each other physically, emotionally, spiritually. And it means we mourn, rejoice, and listen well to one another. Those of you guys who are upperclassmen and who have been in Chi Alpha for more than a year, you know that I lost my dad last April. And just having fellowship with you guys, having some game nights with you guys, some of you guys uh, came over quite a bit there during that period of time and had conversations with us and brought us food and, and helped us out during a really hard time in our life because my wife was in her third trimester and I lost my dad. That was hard. And as I talked about last week, I had built my foundation up in a way that helped me to deal with the loss of my dad better than I had dealt with the loss of my mom. A lot of that was in the foundation of the people who were around me and the fellowship that I've had with other people and the relationships that I had with you guys and that my wife had with you guys. You guys helped share the hurt and the burden of our hearts. So now in the way that you did that for us, when I lost my dad, we need to be doing that with each other. Some of you guys are going through hard times. Some of you guys have been through hard times and some of you guys are going to go through hard times in the future. If we can't be there to lift each other up, man, we're missing the picture again. All right. Next scripture. 2 Corinthians 8, 13-15 says, For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need so their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over and whoever gathered little had no lack. Fellowship means that we give to one another and sharing when we have and they need and vice versa when they have and we need. Man, there was a point in time where we had Chi Alpha students as directors that were literally just sharing each other's clothes because some people had more clothes than other people. Like it literally, like we had a group of guys that their small group just had a closet that they all could go to and share clothes. And they mutually worked on making sure that each other went to, to winter conference. That small group had sponsored like three different people to go to winter conference. We didn't have to talk to churches. Students helped sponsored other students to go to winter conference. And so that was students helping out when they had abundance because we had a couple students that had pretty good jobs while they were in college and made a lot more money than a couple other students who didn't have good jobs and were paying for college out of pocket. And so the students that had helped out the other students. Now that might not apply to you. Maybe you don't have money in order to do that, but it's the same concept. It's helping each other out. It's being there with each other and for each other in all. And that includes financially. That includes in, in property. So somebody doesn't have a car. A lot of times we have international students who can't drive. You guys have cars. Offer to drive international students to go get groceries. That's actually one of the ways we've got to know a lot of the international students the best 
is because a lot of them don't have cars. And so we offer to drive them to Walmart. And so we get to hang out with them almost every week because they've got to go make a Walmart trip. And so we get those chances to have those conversations. That's a small way in which we can offer what we have for those who don't. All right. And the last ones, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 24, about halfway through verse, uh, verse 24 through 27. Says, but God has put the body together, giving great honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Fellowship, this tells us that fellowship involves the body of Christ all coming together as one people with one voice to serve one another with our individual gifts and to care for, honor one another above ourselves. So what does this look like? What, is, what do all these pieces of Scripture look like today? How do we take the biblical model and apply it to, quote-unquote, modern times? I truly believe that the way that this works and what this comes down to is simple. Literally just one word. One word can sum up all of this Scripture that we talked about intentionality being intentional with your relationships being intentional at reaching out to those who are in Chi Alpha being intentional to have those conversations learn more about people ask where are you from what's your childhood like what are you interested in what do you like to do for fun have those conversations ask those questions because if we're not intentional we get stuck in the small talk. We get stuck in the, 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 the conversational pieces that don't really go anywhere and don't really matter. When I was in Chi Alpha, when I was a student, what we would do, it was literally the most simple thing in the world. And at that point in time, it was a group that was about the exact same size as your guys' is. We literally just had a text thread where we added everybody who was in Chi Alpha to it and if we were going to hang out, we just sent a message out and everybody that could hang out would show up. We would go out on late night walks. We'd go watch movies. We'd do, go out and do bonfires and, and have barbecues and do all that stuff. We just would literally text everybody and about half of everybody would show up. And each time it was different because people are busy, people aren't, whatever. And then we also had guys nights and we had girls nights. We had guys nights where we would just hang out with the guys and the girls would go do their thing. And then we had nights where we just hung out with everybody. We were intentional about it. We texted everybody. The sheer number of movie nights I had at my house probably would outnumber the amount of movie nights you guys have had in your entire college career within one school year. We literally were at my house three or four nights a week having movie nights with everybody. Now, I'm not saying that your movie night with your roommate counts. I'm talking you invited everybody for your movie night or to go walk, or just to hang out with each other and just talk, play board games. Sometimes the conversations were about God. Sometimes the conversations were about Iron Man, because that was the movie that came out while I was a student, if that dates me. But we were intentional with it. We intentionally reached out to each other. We intentionally hung out with each other. And to be honest, I think our Chi Alpha director at that time we probably would see him on Tuesday nights and that was it unless we were having one-on-ones with him. But we as a group hung out four or five times a week, it seemed like. 
Some weeks it was more, some weeks it was less. Finals week, it was like once, and we would have a big finals week hangout night. But one thing that I have noticed that we've struggled with as each year goes on, and as my generation morphed into um, Ruben's generation, and Ruben's generation morphed into your guys' generation, the more time that has gone on, the more time our students struggle with time management, with spending too much time on social media, watching TikTok videos, doing that kind of thing, spending time alone on their computers, isolating. The more time that goes on, the more isolated our students have become over the years. And so it's time that we stop digesting TikTok and we stop digesting social media and we start making memories that we can share about on social media. It's time we actually start spending time with each other and caring about one another. Jacob makes phenomenal bread. I had that one written down, but he didn't show up till just now. Homie, if you want some good bread, hit up Jacob. He, te- he has like legit good bread. This, he has this Irish soda bread. Is that correct? Bro. If you like bread, and if you don't like bread, you're lying. If you like bread, hit Jacob up. He'll come cook you some bread. But anyway, sorry to pick on you. I had it written way longer. I picked on other people first. I'm not just isolating you, I promise. I talked about Donovan's sense of humor. It was good. You missed out, man. But anyway, we were intentional. And so that's what I'm asking you guys to do. That's what I'm encouraging you guys in. And that's what biblical community, and if we were to deconstruct what biblical community was and what biblical fellowship was, it was an intentionality towards each other. It was an intentional relationship building process for where they made sure that the other people were doing well and they made sure that they were doing well. And they knew that their friend had their back. And that's what it comes down to. When... Life gets hard. We should have each other's back. That's what biblical community is. And when life is easy, we should have each other's back. When life is bountiful, we should have each other's back. And we need to be more intentional. So what I want for Chi Alpha, what I want for this body to be is more intentional with your relationships. Get to know each other. Can you look around this room and say that you know everything about everybody in this room? Can you even look around this room and tell me that you know everybody's major? I can't even do that. So trust me, there's still ways in which we can grow closer. So this week, as we finish up, I'll get you started. Here's the ways you can be more intentional. Here's the ways you can grow. The first way is assess. Do you have any walls built up? Have you walked in self-care? Have you walked in self-forgiveness? Have you walked in forgiving others? And if so, or if, if not, intentionally work towards building those walls down. And the second one is, intentionally reach out to those who are in Chi Alpha, to those who are in this body. Man, we're all Christian. We all have, if you think that Donovan and Camden are different, 
guarantee that you guys have the most important aspect of your life in common. And that's a relationship with Jesus. The most important things to you guys you have in common. And we start there. Shoot out an inspirational text. Host a movie night that everybody's invited to. Go on a walk, dude. It's gorgeous out in the evenings right now. You're going to grill up some burgers. Shoot an invite out. Invite your small group over. I don't care what you do. Just do it intentionally. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for this opportunity to learn more about what the church should look like. And as we deconstruct our faith and we and deconstruct our faith the right way, I pray that you would build it up the, the, the way that you would want it built. As we work towards tearing down walls, I pray that what we build up in that place isn't Tanner's version, isn't Pastor Tanner's version of what the church is. I pray that it's your version of what the church is. I pray that we would take our identity out of what the church should look like and we look towards Scripture and we look towards what the Bible tells us that the church should look like. And so this week as we get ready to go to retreat, God, I pray that you would make sure the students have abundant time in getting their homework done, that they can get done the things that they need to get done. And Lord, I pray that as we go towards retreat and we go to retreat, we're going to be around each other for an entire weekend. I pray that throughout this weekend, we can be more intentional with our faith and more intentional with our relationships. And I pray that we would grow closer to each other than we were before. And so, Lord, we give this weekend over to you. We give this week over to you. And, Lord, um, again, I just pray for your provisions and your guidance. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.